Welcome back to My One Question Is, presented to you by the Akron Arts Story. Thanks for joining us this month as we talk about wisdom. We've invited a very special guest, Cheyenne Eagleheart, to sit down with us and talk about what wisdom means to her. But first, Laura's going to tell us how she knows Cheyenne and why Cheyenne's the perfect person to talk to us about wisdom. Thanks for joining, and we hope you enjoy. So I met Cheyenne Eagleheart when I talked myself into this veteran support group at a church in Talmadge, Ohio. Um, A veteran that I'd been documenting had joined this support group with a bunch of other local veterans, um, mostly because things were getting really out of hand in the war in Iraq. And a lot of them were feeling like they needed to come together because they knew another generation of guys were going to need help. Once I was invited into the circle by Vietnam, Tom, um, you know, I got to see that it was at a church. So it was led by this pastor um, and then this native holy woman who was Cheyenne Eagleheart. And together, the two of them were um, taking care of the needs of these veterans. And um, that's how we first met. Um, Greetings, Afghano. My name is Cheyenne Eagleheart. I am Haudenosaunee Seneca. And I have European uh, heritage, too, that I'm not as familiar with. I just uh, have a grateful heart to be with everyone today. And uh, I am the executive director of the Red Bird Center. We are a native multicultural healing center located in the forest outside of Cambridge, Ohio. And we support healing um, from historical trauma and loss, addiction, uh, unity programs to bring uh, communities together multiculturally, and we also uh, do a lot of work um, uh, for veterans and uh, for families. Uh, just this is an important time of coming together, this 11th hour. So all of those uh, uh, gatherings and, and events that we have, uh, we have uh, 70 beds, uh, 10 cabins here in the forest, and it's a, it's a place of peace. Yes, ma'am, it's a place of peace. One of my favorite places of peace in the world, in the whole wide world. Uh, it really is it's sort of like oh what's going to happen when life goes back to normal you know oh i'll get to go back to the redford center one day you know (laughs) yes and and you 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 bring up um so clearly uh the the time that we've shared together in so many different ways and it's absolutely a delight to hear your voice and to have this time with you today laura oh same to you all right, so the topic uh, today for today's um, podcast is wisdom. So let's start by, um, can you define wisdom in your tradition? Wisdom is um, comes in many different ways. And our understanding, uh, first, we, we're receiving wisdom from our elders from the earliest time of our lives in those uh, formative years. And our elders are teaching us and our parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, all those around us are offering um, guidance and support for our good success and safety in our lives. And um, we don't even realize it when we're young that we're receiving so much of that wisdom from them until we get older and have some maturity. And once that maturity comes, um, we start to find and see the value of wisdom. And it's mostly through the lessons learned in this life. Um, there are lessons that we go through um, as we develop, whether through 
uh, academic or uh, community uh, work or um, just the, the passion and the vision that we hold within our own hearts about how we're going to share our gift in the world. And through those experiences, um, in adulthood, uh, we are gathering wisdom. <laughs> and sometimes, um, some ways we gather that wisdom is, is not um, uh, very pleasant. Sometimes we make mistakes or um, we uh, try something and it doesn't work out. And I, I remember as a young person feeling um, afraid uh, to make a mistake. And, <laughs> and then as I gained wisdom, I started to see that my mistakes were part of creation. Um, so I relaxed a little bit more um, in understanding that uh, some of the best work, and I'm an artist and, and in the sacred work of healing, some of the best things come through what we learn about what doesn't work, you know. And so that's an important part of wisdom as as we go through the years, as well as the, oh, just the coming together and the heart connections with others and, and Earthway and the, 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 the blessing of the earth and and how important it is that we have that connection. So life experience itself um, on this beauty walk is so important in deepening our wisdom about what's important, you know, what our what our true uh, value and attention needs to be on the things that count, relationships, family, love, community, relationship with earth, and guardianship to caring for all our relatives, all forms of life, um, and and that is a lesson that's learned um, through time and appreciation. Uh, so the wisdom continues um, as as we get older. I'm going to be 65 this year. Um, so I feel in reflection uh, for this topic today that uh, I've been flooded recently with lots of um, moments of gratitude for the wisdom that has been developed in these almost 65 years of, of where I give my attention and energy today is different than where I gave it 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Um, and I don't really want to waste my time on things. Like I see some of the technologies kind of exploding in our society. I don't want to go down that path so much because it feels like I waste time if I'm scrolling the phone or such. So I'm grateful for what I've learned because it returns me to center. And sometimes I'm starting each day with that feeling of, of, Returning to center, um, starting with that sunrise, remembering and that, that what is important to me today is that heart connection or that earth, being on the earth or um, spending time with family and community and hearing the hearts of, of those in my community to make sure that where I give my attention today is in support of them and, and respect for who they are and what their needs might be in service. Um, and I, my service work is cross-cultural, so we we serve both our intertribal community as well as um, cross-culturally, and, and that is a delight to me. So I think the wisdom in my reflection in this recent time has been around um, removing any barriers that prevent us from being truly in a state of unity and love. That's a little bit. <laughs> I really appreciate that, that you're, like, thinking about this, like, you know, in your life, but also, like, in this very moment, you know, how does, how is this, like, happening in your life right now that's really that's really awesome um can you give me an example of how wisdom is a part of the work that you do i think that in the early years there was um a lot of loss um that was suffered both in my own life my family and in my community and with many people 
Um, and the losses, um, the wisdom is that you learn what set up the condition of loss. And loss, when I'm referencing, might be um, addiction. It might be uh, grief, um, loss of a loved one. Um, we've had people close to us take their own lives. Um, all kinds of different challenges, you know, violence acted out in a way that um, caused serious injury or death. And through those losses, uh, we, uh, the grief and, and the healing loss in life um, and not knowing what to do, that became very, very important in the early years of, of development of this good medicine way and certainly Redbird's mission, answering the question, what do we do when we hurt so bad? Um, and the answers have come through the experiences that we've shared with each other through recovery and um, through uh, uh, coming together in ceremony, um, coming to the fire, um, going into those sacred lodges, um, uh, calling to the to spirit, calling to the ancestors, inviting the wisdom that comes from the unseen world to help us in that state of grief and loss. And through all of that, um, we learned from the survivors as well as um, from those in it have experienced our elders as well as the unseen world, the spirit, um, of moving us in directions that brought us out of the pain, out of the loss, into a new vision and a new life. And so the foundation of Redbird is in this understanding of creating that circle of healing for those in need. And it started with my own life. Um, I came out of uh, uh, severe uh, conditions um, where I was tortured and abused in ways that uh, shattered my spirit. And it was a long journey um, to reclaim those parts of myself and enter into a state of wholeness. Um, so some of the passion that we have in dedication comes from sharing the good uh, medicine ways that truly heal. And started first with my own life and my elders and loved ones um, offering me and affording me a chance in ceremony through the circles, through the healing, and then having the passion to share that with others who are struggling with different things that cause them to feel um, that soul pain. And that is our work, and the wisdom came in learning what is hurting, what helps and heal, and then and then delivering that in opportunity. And um, and I will live and do this work until my final day, because <laughs> it is so sacred and beautiful, transformative and powerful. And so um, the foundation and the wisdom is through the experience of so many. Yeah, incredible. And, you know, as someone who's been able to come to the Redbird Center and to experience this work with you, um, <clears throat> different occasions, different times of people in our lives that have come to mean so much to us. And, you know, and people in my life who mean so much to me, who've come to the Redbird Center with me, you know, like I, I have so many, you know, wonderful memories of, you know, being there with my family and being there with our, you know, our loved veterans and, um, you know, and just watching, like, I, I would have never, it's something I wouldn't have known if I wouldn't have seen it. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes. It's real, and it's transformative, and it's a miracle of healing. And I'm in awe, no matter how old I get, I'm in awe of each person who comes and the miracle and the courage that it takes to step into that place of healing 
authentically and really delight in the joy and the transformation that I see and witness. I asked someone asked me not long ago, don't you get tired of all this? There's so there's a lot of trauma, a lot of painful things. Don't doesn't that don't you get tired of this work? Doesn't it really hurt your heart? And, and I absolutely the energy for it is is it seems to intensify with the passing of years because of the delight in witnessing someone their freedom that they're freeing from that which had caused them such adversity that is oh it's exciting <laughs> very much a part of something i think that is uh, amazing and i don't know if I'll ever, that'll ever leave me i'm in awe of everyone who's ever come and you're one of those people absolutely i'm in awe of your courage and the work that you've done through the years both in your professional work and in your your own heart work so it's delightful to stand with you Ooh, back at you, Cheyenne. So let's talk about like that. Let's talk about that. You and I got thrown into this situation together where we both, you know, cared a lot for these veterans and we ended up in the same, in the same circle and, you know, through a lot of time and conversation and patience and listening and experience, we, we developed this way of working together that has, you know, truly impacted my life and, you know, and changed the way that I, that I work that I understand people who come from a different place, you know, than I do. And um, so, yeah, I think, you know, as you're saying all these things about these miracles, I like see all these faces, you know, of these, these people whose paths we've crossed, you know? um, And um, so, yeah, let's talk about that a bit. Let's talk about, you know, um, what's your takeaway from, you know, working with someone who's non-Indigenous and the trust and the, you know, the, uh, the courage and the patience that it takes to, you know, to learn this together. And, you know, I'm really proud of us because we did it. <laughs> yes, we did. I am too. Absolutely. It's been a privilege to, to work with you in that way. Um, the first thing I, I think I want to say is that um, it is uh, traditional for us to uh, honor our veterans, um, to support the men and women who served this nation uh, long before they they enter into the, the action of service um, and their development as well as um, going through um, the process of whether it's uh, it, out of, you know, conflicts outside the, the, this country or in country, this, the challenges that they're facing. Um, it is very important for us to be a part of the, the coming home and restoration if needed. And the combat trauma for many has, has uh, been very young. Uh, devastating and critical and we as a community we in the greater community um, participate in the solution the healing solution um, um, terms like the people of strong hearts folks who who stand up and say you served our nation you stand to protect um, our communities and and we want to be here and showing up for you as you might need um, some support in coming home and that is a very important part of the mission of the Redbird Center and, and even culturally um, to take care of our warriors. And that's the first thing I would say. And the second part is that in service to um, our nation's veterans, there has been uh, a lot of cross-cultural work that has gone on. We work with Valor Home and Freedom House and uh, Haven Home and all these uh, programs that are in support and Warriors During Home in support of veterans in different stages of service and recovery and um that includes a cultural uh, group of people and their families and so for you and i in um that we uh, took the trip 
to Vietnam together in support of the veterans healing. Um, that was in 2010, and the uh, privilege of, of serving and supporting them in that good healing way, and I would have them tell their own story about it, but um, there were things that came up setting the stage for healing that were very important and sensitive, and we needed to be respectful to each um, man that was making that choice for healing and their loved ones. And so one of the things that was very important that you did is your sensitivity um, to the process of learning. This is a new way that I'm coming into um, covering uh, this event as a journalist. Um, and you asked questions, you interviewed, you, you did the field work, you showed up at the circles, you learned the cultural sensitivities that were so, so important for that foundation of healing. Um, you uh, brought your humanity, your beautiful heart into it. Um, and the quality of, of the coverage, the way the stories were told um, through the, all the photographs that you took and the, all the commentary as well as the, the Beacon Journal coming together, those stories being told, had such a power long past the circle of, of those who were healing but also impacting veteran circles and communities long after the journey. And that's very, very moving. That medicine, and that's just the language that, that I speak, the medicine continues on to this very day when somebody hears about it and reads about it and sees the coverage that you did and the way the stories were told or shows up here and asks the questions or the veterans give their first person testimony it's people are like in awe that our veterans and, and the veterans from um, vietnam could come together and truly heal and become brothers things like that were were were, were I mean, that, that someone that i've been in conflict with who I had no hope for recovery, I could actually go through the steps of healing to the point where I could be in the same room with them, in the same circle with them, and share the most intimate details of my loss as they shared theirs with me and that we could find peace. And that's the privilege of serving with you, Laura, and serving with everyone who was a part of that circle for healing. Um and we were we were witnessing the miracle and the transformation at such a high level, and and I'm still I talk about it and I get chills. I'm just so moved by the courage and the strength of heart that it took for those men and their families and everyone, the people of Strong Art, all those who organized and facilitated that healing opportunity. Um, even Song in 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 Vietnam and the, how he guided us and, and protected us as we took that journey. There's so many things I could say, but that's a few things I would say in this moment. Yeah, and I agree with you with all of that. Like, what a just what an incredible thing to experience. And you know, and I I was, you know, I think about <clears throat> where I was at in my life at that time, and and I just just had the. <laughs> I just felt like I should say yes. And I just felt like I should just keep moving forward. And I just felt like I should just, and I had no idea what I was doing, you know, and I also, you know, did not have experience working with indigenous people. And to my knowledge, like I know you and I sat down and we're like, there's no, there's no model for how to do this. Right. So how do we yeah. take a culture and an understanding that's primarily oral and also this, you know, deep distrust of outsiders like how do we how do we overcome that? You know, so what kinds of things do you remember from that time about how we worked through that? Um, uh, authenticity is is the center of what I 
remember and trusted in is just telling the truth. You know, what what do you feel? What do you know? What do you what questions do you have? Um and, and that I needed to be that way too with um well when this is said this way or done that way it feels very um disrespectful or insensitive and but I was aware through the process that the person that I'm interacting with doesn't know that. And I, then I, my responsibility was to be a teacher and not to be triggered and angry or defensive or reactive or, you know, uh, villainizing someone because they had no experience or knowledge. It was very important to, 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 to stop and, and to check in and to, and to ask, you know, are you open to getting some feedback or to learning a little bit about that statement and what, what effect it might have on, on, a, on a native woman or a native person and, and I, 99% of the people suggest, I did, well, yeah, I would love to learn. They're very open. People are very open and willing to learn. And that's how that authenticity, that dialogue begins. We have to start. There's a little bumper sticker you see out there that says start talking. We, we just have to start there um, where we really are and let go. I watched some people had a lot of anxiety. They were like, I don't want to say it right, wrong. I, I'm not sure about your tradition and how to speak and I don't want to do it wrong and so bad that they had so much anxiety and so I was working to help let that go and, and give them some good information about just the basics of uh coming together and most people were like, Oh, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, I can I can listen or oh I can, you know, let myself learn this new thing that I don't have experience with and I, I thought it was people were amazing and wonderful, but it really does start with a uh, we have to start where we are, you know, and you know, I love that phrase, you begin where you're at, you know, and and not having projections of expectations on both sides, you know. What, cause some people had some, uh, you know, things from, I think, media or movies about how things go. <laughs> and so you, you, you give them, you know, direct experience, and then they, they, oh, that's so different than what I thought it was. I'm like, yeah, yeah, so that it, it deepens the experience for all when we can be together that way. You know, and it's mutual respect, bottom line, and really, you know, sharing what what's on your mind, what your thoughts or questions are. I think that worked really well for all of us. I would agree. I know I just showed up and said, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to say this. I don't know what the right way is. Shine, can you tell me? You know, and sometimes yeah. you would say, okay, and you would take a couple of days and then you would get back to me, you know, and I just always appreciated that that process because I remember one of your hesitations being, well, you know, there's some people, you know, in my community who are against recording stories or who are, um, you know, there's there's people who, who want all these things recorded and written down and there's other people who, you know, who don't want to. And I remember, you know, your hesitation about that. Yes, there's a lot of diversity, and, and I'm not speaking. I always want to say this for any kind of uh, – I do a lot of public speaking, and there's – I do not speak for all natives. I only speak for my own reference, and, and even I don't speak for the Seneca. I just speak from our experience and what creators uh given us as far as a mission and a vision for you know, the work that we're doing together. And one of the things that's true is that there's a diversity among intertribally around people and their traditions and their – their beliefs and what they feel is right to do and what's wrong to do. And um, some of that is uh, it's always good. And you did this very well. And it's always good to just, if you go to a community, is, is get acquainted. Um, ask your questions to learn about who they are and their traditions and how they'd like you to do things in their community, in their family, wherever you're visiting. 
Um, and that one one experience in one community may be different than in another and always allow for that, you know, just that you're meeting somebody or a circle of people and learn from them, you know, the etiquette and, and all of that. And there's the diversity and the diversity is so, so important. If there's anything I've learned just doing the intertribal work is that under there's all kinds of uh, beliefs and positions around certain things. There's words like uh, tribal politics. That's what <laughs> I don't know a lot about the politics. I know it exists. I know that sometimes people get mad at each other because they're not following certain etiquettes. And um, we're we have a healing mission, and so we're we really have a different approach. And, and I'm not a uh, uh, in that world uh, so much. And, and maybe I even break a rule around uh, some etiquette that someone politically expects that I should do. Um, but I I feel it's so so important to to live where you are from in your own uh, tradition or your own way of life or your in the way that spirit has given you a vision and how to share the medicine and that may be very different some of that is, is absolutely just part of the tribal um, community way and some things are only meant for the families or the communities um, and other things are are good to share and and bring about um, a good blessing for all, and it just depends on that person or that uh, circle in that community. So it's really good to ask questions and find out who they are and what their beliefs are, what their comfort level is, and approaching um, each, uh, whether it's an organization like an Indian center or, a, you know, a tribal community or a red bird, like a circle, just finding out the, the guidances or the etiquettes that, that, you know, powwow you go and, and learn. And, um, and that's, the diversity is so important. One person may say that it's okay to film, and another person may say, no, it's not. And uh, you don't ever film a ceremony. You don't ever take a picture of an elder. Um, and it's, it's, it's sensitivity and respect is an important part of uh, navigating through that um, because it, everyone is correct if that is their position and that's how they feel about it and that's what they do in their community. So you really want to learn what that is first. And one of the things that I see in the term, uh, you know, tribal politics is the finger pointing of this one's doing that, this one's doing this, and they shouldn't be, and on and on. It's really not a helpful approach. It's more like for their community, they're doing things a certain way, and it's best for their families and, and everyone who they are serving, as well as another may be um, doing something that does require some cross-cultural work. Now, one of the things that I had to do when you talked about me going away is I had to go away and consider this because um, I, I work in the prisons. I work a lot of different places. And one of the things that I've witnessed is that when the spirit, the healing spirit comes, the ancestral spirit comes for healing, some of the rules don't apply because <laughs> the person needing the healing or circumstances of crisis are very serious and we have to respond a certain way. So, for example, if somebody films a response that ends up helping uh, thousands of other people because it was it was taped and shared, um, there's a value to that that medicine is carrying out. Um, so I I don't I ask people not to film ceremony. I do that, um, but any other uh, as long as we have the permission of those present, you know, everyone said that I'm okay with it. It's okay to to record and document some things that are important because of the nature of the story being told and the impact it's going to have. I've had so many folks, whether they're in 
a great challenge, whatever the story. I mean, if I share my story, it's going to help someone else. I suggest it could if you're comfortable with that. Well, I want to do that because it's, it's really, really, I think, important that people have some support to come out of something challenging. And if I can be part of that solution, I want to do it. And so it is very much, you know, it's there's a lot of diversity and differences, and you want to find out what those are, ask permission, show respect, and I think that's a good way to navigate through it all. My one question is, is funded by a technology grant from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation's 2021 Knight's Art Challenge. All funding for the project is being handled by the Kent State University Foundation. We are grateful for their partnership and generosity. It really is really simple. Hey, just um, just be kind to each other. It really is quite simple. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've tried to be very careful myself. You know, I've traveled around the world in so many different places in other cultures and communities, and you know, something seems so different. Um, to just uh, you know, recognize it's a it's a different culture. It's a different way learn about it, ask questions if needed. And um, I just feel like my whole experience as a human being, as a woman, has expanded tremendously because I've allowed for all that diversity. Um, so it, it can be a real gift. Um, that practice non-judgment, I think, is a good approach to these things. Absolutely. And, like, one of the things you taught me that I remember is just to check in with people. Like, is this okay? Is this okay with you right now? Um because sometimes, you know, people will have a look on their face of discomfort. And, you know, it, sometimes it's just a matter of reassurance or a matter of, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm okay, Laura. Thanks for asking. And then they can keep going. And other times, like, mm, I'm not sure there's something going on and we can pause and, and, you know, and try again later or something like that. Like, that's something you really, you really taught me is just not to be attached to what's going on in the moment and just to let it just to let it be. I know that's one of the hurdles that I face in academia is, is, you know, letting people know that this kind of work requires the amount of time that it requires. It really is about just allowing, allowing the process to happen. And it's really special. And, you know, you taught me that. Absolutely. And that, that being in the moment and the person might even change their mind or a certain sensitivity is required or somebody says, yes, I want to. And then they say, no, I don't want to. Um, there's a, there's a vulnerability going on, and being really sensitive to that, um, and and that it's led by that individual or that circle. It's not led by the journalist or by the facilitator. It's led by when someone says no, that stops here. We're not going. Any, I don't want to go any further. That that's respected, um, and I don't I don't wish to to be involved in any um, process that that someone doesn't feel like. It's a place they want to go. If they, if we have a willing group of people who are saying yes, this is a good process to be involved in, or maybe to be recorded, and if somebody's saying no, group consciousness that comes from another tradition. <laughs> it's very important that we we hear everyone's voice, everyone's sacred point of view, um, and those sensitivities are afforded um, in those moments. So it's it's it helped me to grow. I think when I first started with you. 
I was, we were working quietly in the forest. We didn't allow for any recordings, um, any of it with our ceremonies are very, um, everything was confidential, private, uh, and for good reason, um, to protect the sacred, to protect the individuals who are participating, very important, highest priority. Um, and we live in a, in a world where discrimination exists and we have to be really careful about that in the work that we do. Um, and so that is still true. All of that is still true. And much of what we do isn't um, public or recorded. Um, but in cases where uh, we have a group coming from France that uh, the person runs a hospital for, for people in addiction recovery and who wants to come and learn, and they're doing a documentary on it and they're asking for a recording. So we've asked anyone who's comfortable to share and be a part of the documentary. And, and there are some people who are excited about doing that. And there are others that say, no, thank you. <laughs> and that's good. That's perfect. So there's, there's a good way to do this. And Cheyenne, and you have also talked about Vietnam in the past. How did that come to be? And what was what happened there with Cheyenne? So it came to the group's attention after maybe a year or more after that. I can't remember the timeline exactly, but that... Um, some of the men would benefit from returning to Vietnam to do some reconciliation, to try to make some peace with their past and that sort of thing. So this idea about this trip kind of came together and, um, you know, I was accepted a part of this group and I just kept showing up to their events, to their, um, to their circle on Sundays. Um, and, um, what ended up happening is all these people that were going on this trip, um, I mean, I went to the pastor and I just said, I, I need to be on this trip. When Tom told me that he was going to go back to Vietnam, I went to the pastor and said, I have to be there. I have to be there. Um, not just with my camera, but I have to be there to hold this guy's hand. This guy has told me every deep, dark secret about his life. And he's going to do the, go and do the most courageous thing I've ever heard of and go face all those things all these years later. Like I, I need to be there for him. And, and that's kind of how that conversation started. So, you know, we spent a year um, in ceremony together, um, you know, doing all of these activities together. So by the time we did travel to Vietnam, we all knew each other really well. Everybody knew everybody's difficulties and what, what everyone struggled with. Um, what they were afraid of. Um, and so <laughs> from a military perspective, they would say we, we formed a unit and we trained as a unit uh, for a mission and then we executed the mission. Um, and it's very true how that happened. So I really fought this idea of being like a bystander or being like um, a journalist and being separate. And the first time I sat in the circle and the circle worked like a talking circle, like a, there's a stick and everybody, you know, it's your turn to talk when you have the stick. And the very first time, you know, the first time the fellow picked up a stick, he talked about the first time he had killed somebody. And then that started the succession of other veterans talking about that same experience as well. And I just remember thinking like, this is like, I don't know how I ended up here but this is like a super sacred experience and I just need to say yes. And I just need to stick with it. You know um, you know, there were other women in this circle. A lot of them were there seeking support from the circle and, 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 and all of that. And so I don't know, Cheyenne and I just naturally um, became friends and, you know, supported one another. And then also 
what resulted out of this trip to Vietnam is um, they all agreed to publish their stories. And so I went with the support of the Akron Beacon Journal um, and the support of all of these men and women who trusted me enough to let me follow them around with cameras for three and a half weeks um, as we traveled the country and, and visited all these difficult places and um, with all of these people. And uh, yeah, so Cheyenne helped me to understand what my role really was in this experience that I wasn't just an outsider, that you know I was actually also somebody who was there to listen and that that is an important role in the telling of stories is the is that you know there's people there who bring their hearts and listen. And so that kind of began this idea of us working together and how are we gonna publish these stories together especially with cultural differences, you know, with, you know, primarily oral culture, trusting me to represent them well. It was a very, like I said, a very sacred honor to be able to be in that position. That was the beginning of it all. Yes. Yes. And that's, um, I was very moved by the fact that you were willing to allow what you felt to be a part of how you shared in the circle with us and, and documented the story um it lended a deeper quality to it all and and those who you who were involved in the filming knew that and trusted trust, trusted you and trusted the process more because you were willing to do that yeah what a gift i mean like it's funny because i you know <laughs> anytime i like write a cover letter and try to explain you know who i am or why i think the way i think you know um, <laughs> there's a big turning point in my life when I met Vietnam Tom. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I remember. He's awesome. Yeah, do you still see him often? Yeah, we. Well, I have, you know, connections. We probably two or three times a year, we, some way we're connecting. So, yeah, he's awesome. Oh, yeah. My uncle forever. and uncle song too all of the guys from ohio all the guys from elsewhere and uncle song too all right well you talked a lot about wisdom you talked a lot about humility um if i were to ask you what is the one most important thing that people need to know working across cultures or intertribally what would you say it is um we have uh, a pretty horrific past. Um, the country's founded on genocide and land theft. And the, the challenge about that is that um, we have the horrific impact it's had up until the present day with historical trauma and, and all that that involves. But the thing that's so, so important is that the uh, medicine, the wisdom, the teachings, um, are such a profound and powerful way to live and a way to heal. And when when this is almost destroyed completely, wiping out a culture, not only did it harm those who were victimized, but it harms all of us in the greater uh, human family. And now in all this time of recovery and healing, and 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 the cross cultural coming together, and, um, you know the just telling the real story of truth about what happened, what is happening now, 
it brings us together in a new way. And if there's something, what I see here all the time, I have people coming uh, cross-culturally all the time, and they're learning about our good earth way, our earth tradition, and the the the, the unity and the, the the removal of the barriers that separate us, the interconnectedness, um, the the personal vision coming forward, the women's medicine, the men, and how they protect and support that. All of that is that it enriches the lives of the human family. It's almost lost to all of us, but it isn't lost. It has been um, brought forward for those who are comfortable sharing. And part of the answer, the 11th hour of humanity, we see all the climate change. We see the impact of human conflict. And I could go on there, but uh, for now, I would say that that is part of the light that's going to take us out of this darkness, out of this challenge, is the healing solutions that exist um, from this earthway tradition. And so it's very important to learn about it, if I would say. It's very important to, to let that anxiety go of going crossing into another culture to learn. Um, my uh, commitment is to share because I see not only that it changes lives, but it deepens the relationship to life so that we are truly... <laughs> living in our full potential, living with, with a true light of the spirit and not uh, boxed into these conditions that we've been um, conditioned to become, people that we were conditioned to become versus people that we truly are. And so authenticity. Other cultures offer these same opportunities, and that's where our prophecy said this would be the t- coming together time, that the, the healing arch and the ancient wisdom that comes from the four corners of the earth, would be, we would come together in a circle, which is what we do a lot here. And so listening and receiving the tradition from the indigenous, the native tradition, it's going to create a blessing for all of those people on Turtle Island who receive it, but also even beyond, as mm-hmm. well as opening us up to receive that gift from others, um, from other traditions. So uh, I, I hope that I'm able to capture that because that is – it isn't just about the grief that we feel about the atrocities, and there is tremendous grief to acknowledge, feel, express, and heal, but it's also the gift that is brought forth um, that blesses us all. I hope that answers the question. It sure does. And you you, you said something earlier today that I wanted to touch back on um, in our conversation where you talked about, and you did say, like, it does harm all of us. And, you know, this conversation used to just be about the harm that was caused to Native Americans. And you spoke about the harm that it causes to everybody. Can you speak on that a little bit more? I had a a, a gentleman uh, who served in the Royal Marines, um, who's from UK. And the first time we met, we sat at a table. I'll never forget the conversation. And I, in my innocence, asked him, so I'm wondering what drove uh, those long ago from that particular region that you come from out to seven continents to to create such um, an act of genocide to so many cultures. Um, and uh, he, in his innocence and his sincerity, answered the question to the best of his ability Um and what was driving uh, the violence at that time. And we, we say the boat people came here to Turtle Island. And so it was a really powerful conversation and an important one. And, and what I have seen is that there is a, if you're 
your whole society is formed on the, the bones of the ancestors of the original people, um, you're going to have some holes in your infrastructure. <laughs> you're going to have some problems with um, your, your basic uh, uh, values of how businesses are organized or, you know, the, the finance, the, the, the powerful leadership of institutions on and on. We could go. And, and, and it, it lacks the heart and the spirit. Um, the women's medicine leads from the heart for all of the greater community. There's been an oppression on women and women in leadership that this uh, patriarchal society is just acknowledging in recent decades and, and moving into um, some balance of leadership. Um, the women's medicine has the vision to heal the heart, what divides us, um, to, to, to come into those problems uh, uh, with solutions and and bringing the women's uh, voice and, and her gift forward now, when we say the clan mother, bringing her forward. It's very, very important. And men don't feel threatened by that. They, they protect and honor it and recognize the balance of both. So when we've cut ourselves off from the heart and the spirit for whatever the influences that came from another continent, um, this is a recovery time that if we feel when someone shares about it, you know, the losses that they sustain in, in tribal community. And we allow ourselves to feel that. Um, maybe it brings us to tears. Maybe it invokes our anger, our righteous anger for, for the the horror of what has been like with the children's um, graves being discovered in recent times. Then that's good that you feel this and, and you begin to follow that. Um, we do circles uh, kind of addressing these issues follow that feeling it goes somewhere when we oppress and we shut down everything and we lock the doors and throw away the books that tell us and on and on and don't let the speakers come in and tell their original stories and and the the truth of how they're impacted then we're denying ourselves the truth of how this nation was founded and i know that's not american to say that it's founded in genocide and land theft but that's the truth and and i happen be from this continent and I can tell the truth and still be considered an American citizen. I, I don't actually use that as my identification. I'm holding Shoni Seneca. But being able to tell the truth, it, uh, it gives us a chance to see if there's something that we feel is wrong going on, whether it's women are not given the voice and the leadership that they need or uh, schools are wanting to suppress the, the stories being told for all uh, people um, from different cultural references, and that is the truth of our society. If that gets suppressed, then it makes us a sick society, and we're getting sick. And we see the the, the, the screens sucking the soul of people. They're getting lost, our children. We're in trouble because we have to go back to the center, and the center is the heart. And if we feel what is in our heart, we're going to feel a lot of pain about the truth. And nobody wants to feel that. They want to medicate it through drugs, alcohol, screens, food, whatever it is. And right now what we knew we need to do is come into the circle and truly honor each other as we feel that pain. Because beyond the pain is the greater vision for humanity, which is healing and unity and letting go of the things that separate us. So we're being harmed by not acknowledging how the original foundation of this country was founded and how much it's harming us today. And I understand and see it, and I've had many, many tell me their stories from all cultural references. So I, I've gathered a lot of information and wisdom 
and perspective. And it is a healing time for all of us, a critical hour. Um, don't be afraid of the truth. Don't be afraid of your heart and the pain that you're feeling about some of these things. Some of our young people speak to it strongly right now, and I'm so glad that they do. Um, go into it. No one's going to um, destroy you because you're, you have an ancestral relationship with the, those, the boat people who came. Someone's going to hear your heart and, and feel that pain with you because they too share it. Um, I've watched and witnessed so much healing um, in that way um, that I trust us. I trust the sacred. I trust the sacredness and the beautiful spirit of each part and each person that's here on the earth and that seems really grandiose but um our basic truth is that we are good <laughs> there's a goodness to who we are as people and any of that other behavior is a result of pain and reaction to pain um, and many don't remember what the original pain is but that doesn't mean it isn't happening i just always appreciated you know the place in your story and your work you know for everyone right not just the most obvious people who experienced pain, right? And and we saw that in Vietnam too, right? When the soldiers met their, you know, the people they opposed in in the you know in the late '60s and early '70s when they met those people that they had opposed at that time, there was this brotherhood that came out of it that I can never ever unsee or unforget, right? Because it was like, yeah, we were in this together, and it was awful. You know what I mean? And I, I really yeah. hope that for the rest of the world, you know, and I, I see the work that you're doing and I, and uh, you're, you're pushing it in that direction, Cheyenne. I know that about you. <laughs> it's, uh, it's an honor to do so with great passion <laughs> and we'll, we'll keep working on it and, you know, and, and I'll pass the baton to the next generation. We're going to keep going because it is our only solution um, for the well-being and safety of all. So let's do this uh, rapid-fire question thing. Tell, tell us one thing we don't talk about enough. Well, the, um, what I'm hearing is that there's uh, much of the, the, um, the illusion uh, of what it is, like it's like an intellectual projection of who we are or what we're doing. Um, the identity is connected to job titles and uh, roles and such. Um, and we're not talking about the Halloween, which is the language of the heart and the spirit. And that is a whole nother level of, of the human experience. We come to this earth um, with soul's purpose. Um, we have a very special gift that no one else has that, that the earth's children need us to share and develop and share. And if we don't even know what the gift is, and I need people in their 50s, 60s who have never realized um, their true gift and vision, they just fulfilled an expectation of the society and um, checked all the boxes, did everything correct, but they're walking around with a lot of soul loss and, and they're feeling lost and empty. So what we need to talk more about and more and put into action is that um, nurturing the authentic self, the, the true heart of each person and supporting each other in that way. Um, all right. What's the best book you've read this year? Braiding sweetgrass. Um, uh, Miss Denise got me got me connected to that, and I've been delighted. So I put it on the audiobooks, and uh, 
Um, I know that I'm a little late to the table, but uh, we're, are, we're working the trenches a lot, a full commitment. So it's delightful to be able to find a way and travel to listen and read and, and experience um, uh, Robin and her gifts. So that is uh, my favorite book this year. Amazing. That was a good one. I've loved that Denise and I got to teach it together in, in a class we uh, a class that we taught through COVID. Our classes joined up on some projects together and we did some readings from that book. And it was just a really cool thing to introduce to students, you know, it was really yeah, special. Yeah, I've been in your class. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's all right. Are there any events for 2022 that you'd like to share with us? We can add to our calendar. We can promote for you. Um, we have a we have a um, a children's uh, celebration weekend in August. We have a I don't have the dates in front of me. Forgive me. Um, we have a, a women's retreat in September. We have an elders retreat in September. We're working on a men's retreat. Um, and then we have the unity gathering, which is an intertribal gathering in Columbus in July. So that's what comes to mind for right now. Yes, and we're working on an artist retreat that will be a week long. Um, but the artist can any artist can come and, and just kind of work in their medium for the week, and then on the weekends we'll have people teaching technique. And that hasn't put the date hasn't put on calendar yet, but we're in process. Um, I have uh, a lovely art therapist. Her name is Cheryl. We're working in partnership uh, up. She's up in the Cleveland region, and she's gonna help us put that together so that's exciting this podcast is named after jesse decided to call it my one question is because when we talk i always say but i have this one i have one more question or i have one question and maybe you know that about me it's something i say all the time (laughs) yeah yeah that sounds right (laughs) so my one question is uh is there anything i didn't mention anything i forgot to bring up anything you want us to add to our conversation about wisdom uh, I think one of the questions you sent me over was one person that we should mention. So can I go to that one? Yes, <laughs> I, go ahead. I feel, I pretty, feel pretty uh, complete, but one person I think it's important that we mention is Bob, my husband, who is uh, 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 takes care of everything so that we can have all these ceremonies and retreats and healing. He's uh, has Ojibwe. He's a keeper of the songs on the drum. He's uh, if it breaks he fixes it he is just amazing and dedicated and has been for a lifetime but um i've had the privilege being married to him and being with him for about 11 years now and he is an important part important part of our success here at redburn i want to say his name too bob perrins he's awesome and i love him very much (laughs) he sure is my almost canadian buddy he sure is We always cracking the Canadian jokes, but yeah, man, I remember when he, uh, when he, when he, uh, I don't know. I remember when he arrived, Cheyenne, is that the right way to put it? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He showed up like anyone, a knight in shining armor. Uh, it's a wonderful way to describe it. I walked alone for 27 years and, uh, very focused on, on, on the sacred and, and service. And, um, and then he came into my life and, and just blessed my heart and enhanced the success of all that we do. He's just, he is just incredibly still revealing talents um, that I'm, I'm just in amazement of. All I have to do is say, gee, it'd be nice to dredge the pond. He goes, okay, well, this is how we'll do it. <laughs> He's just amazing that way. 
so um, so here we are making a podcast to start these conversations and you know build an audience and build a relationship with our listeners as we embark on this project of inviting all people in the community to become a part of this quilting project in Akron and just see what happens. And how can people help support this project? So the best way to help the Akron Art Story Project and the um, My Not Your Mother's Quilting Bee Project is on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash Akron Art Story, that's a great way to help us become a monthly supporter. Um, you'll get to hear our podcasts as they're released. You will get to be in the know with all the information about what we're doing um, and how the project is progressing, other funding we receive. And the other thing you can really do to help us is to spread the word, to share it on social media, to subscribe, like, react, share, add it to your story. Um, because we think what we're trying to do here is really cool. It's sort of a culmination of all of our lives experience kind of colliding all in one place. You know, you, Jesse, Denise, Cheyenne, a number of other professors from Kent State University and people that we've worked with on and off over the years. Um, and, um, and we think that we can really make a difference in Akron and we can really make a difference in and use our experience to change the way things are. Everybody deserves a seat at the table. Everybody deserves a voice. You know, this is no longer a world where we have to wait decades to have an indigenous seat at the UN. You know, we wanna see indigenous people on the boards of art museums, the library, involved in the city. We wanna see their voices heard everywhere. Um, and we believe that this project is a springboard for that. And lastly, we'd like to include a word from our sponsor, Dispatch Coffee. Dispatch Coffee is not our sponsor at the moment, but we hope by mentioning them on this podcast that they eventually will be our sponsor. But Dispatch is great. They source ethically sourced beans from around the world, mostly coming from co-ops and women-led plantations. And they send it right to your door. I get three bags each month, make a coffee every morning with Dispatch Coffee. It's fantastic. Check them out at dispatch backslash Akron Art Story, which doesn't exist, but we hope that one day it does. Back to the show. <laughs>